you know what I kind of started doing? Um, book life. In, in the previous episode, I kind of like, you know, faded the music down while we were talking, kind of about like just nonsense. So it's kind of not just a hello, you know, it's kind of, you know, more relaxed kind of, we get into stop with the creaking. That's on my chairs. Anyways. <laughs> bad. It's so bad. Welcome, everybody. You know what? Keep it in. Just keep it in. Keep, keep it, it in. in. Keep it in. It's been, look, Charlie, Charlie's been doing the intros. I'm a bit rusty. Welcome, everybody, to the... Just uh, what we should do. Here, Jack, you say welcome, everybody, and then I'll say to the record. Let's do every other word, okay? <laughs> okay. Welcome, everyone, to the Raconteur Collection. A podcast about everything and nothing all at the same time. That was that was weird. That was a lot easier than I thought, but I was like very mentally getting tripped up on that one. <laughs> I, I could see your brain kind of working a little bit. You're, like, <laughs> I was really worried I was going to mess it up. <laughs> My brain was. You working, had DDR DDR four ran. We only need DDR two, anyways. Um, guys, this is obviously a podcast hosted by two brothers. You know this by now, but for those who don't, podcast hosted by again brothers Jack and Charlie, and obviously you know me. I've been talking a little bit. I butcher a lot of things that I try to start. That's why when I'm recording something, there are probably like 10 outtakes for like one sentence. So kind of got to get get into it. Anyways, I'm Jack and I'm joined by Charlie. Charlie, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I wouldn't beat yourself up too much because I, in the very little experience I've had with recording some audio stuff, it's really easy. Like sometimes you'll get into this flow state and you can just read the lines and they're just coming. And then you hit like a sentence or a word and you just can't do it and it's take after take and you're just like what am i doing wrong the darkest days like have fallen upon the land so much so that when you are going back through and you're editing you see you're like okay i can cut that out and then you realize oh wait no i'm listening to an old take that is i've just not cut out yet because you took so many mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's why i kind of got in the habit of just you know take it and then at that moment restart cut it and i kind of go from there mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah I've been looking for easier strategies for that because that's that's always a challenge is going back through and editing out multiple takes if you do it all. I mean, one. honestly, a good I think to learn would probably probably be doing something like a, a highlight or a marker. I think you can do that in Audacity and just marker it, you know? Yeah. Be like, anyways, I'm gonna marker only the mess ups, mm. basically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like a little key bind. Exactly. Anyways. But uh Jack, I'm doing great. Yeah. Good to hear. Um, I'll let you kinda you know, do the rest of your little intro here before I get into my week and stuff, but I wonder if that intro is going to turn off any new viewers or listeners. You know, I've wondered about that. Do you think people care? Like, should should we retake the whole thing? You know, it's funny, right? Because there's, of course, tons of everybody. Let's let's just jump into the, it'll jump into the, uh, the the meat, the the meat and bones. No, because the meat and bones, oh, the meat and bones. The meat and bones is pretty We have a delicious main course today. A delicious stew. Just to tease it a little, I even with, you guys know what it is, but even with Elden Ring out, and Elden Ring I think is like one of my all-time favorite games of all time. Even then, Bloodborne is still ranking real high. Bloodborne, it, I mean, there's something special about I it. Just, it just more, a tease. I played little, it more than any, any other Souls game. Little, 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 little nibble. Little, little, little crumbs. Here's some well, Let's crumbs. go back to the bread, right? Let's go back to the bread, the appetizers before the meal. Jack, I've been uh, I've been pretty good. Yeah, of course. I've been pretty good. Good. I totally lost the thread of what I was going to say earlier before I got into the Bloodborne, uh, you know, little snack, little morsel that I pulled off the main dining table there. But, you know, it's been a good week. 
work has been good. Good. The work's been work. It's not been necessarily good or bad. It's I would just say. been work. It's just been work. I feel you on that. Uh, yesterday, today I'm off today, which is nice. But yesterday, Beautiful. it was one of those chaos days where three or four callouts. Our brewer was down. Like a bunch of steam came out of it, and then it started like you could smell like burning electronics. As like I don't know what happened. So, uh oh, stuff like that. Or it was just like one thing after another. Oh after boy, another. Yeah, of course. And so I was really worried coming into my off day. I'm like, nothing better have happened, and I haven't heard anything at all. So, you know. Hey, no no news is good news. Yeah, that's why I, t- I always tell them. I'm like, hey, you guys need to reach out to me if something goes wrong. So that's on them at that point. You know what I mean? I can't. Yeah, at that point, they're solely responsible. I'm not their parent. It's not that you haven't been, like, answering your phone right. or whatever. Right. <laughs> You're like, um, 60 voicemails. Eh, whatever. But, you know, other than that. <laughs> voicemail. Charlie! <laughs> 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 Steve got his hand stuck in the blender. Oh my oh gosh, God. Steve. You turned back on. Jeez, Sorry, that get a hazmat crew to clean that up in there. Yeah, what is that? Like it's like a dead space recording. Anyways, go ahead. Uh we can talk about this a little bit. Uh we talked about this in the car, I think, because you've been providing very generously some rides to me. Um, but, but I've been just Elden Ring, man, has just been. I mean, we did our impressions about it. And whereas you've fallen off, not I don't think as a fault of the game, but more just as a the mood I, I strike think, you honestly it's just life right now is just kind of really busy for me and yeah. i can't really get invested into it yeah and so i think that's probably what it is oh, and so yeah. when things kind of cool down a little bit in my personal life because it was like you know i'm in the middle of moving and mm-hmm. da, 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 like all this stuff just kind of happened at once so i think once the dust settles i'll be able to get back into it but i've just been kind of mindlessly playing a game for like an hour here an hour there yeah. so and sometimes that's what you need right you know, I was thinking of it, and it's almost like, I guess for you, it would be this delicious bottle of root beer you have, right? And you look at it, and you go, man, I don't know if I want to drink that root beer unless I can drink all of it right now. You know, you're like, I just want to be able to savor it, be able to enjoy it, the whole experience of the root beer. Very much like with Elden Ring. You look at it, and you're like, man, since I can't put everything into it, I don't even really want to touch it. That, that's kind you of how, what I mean. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel right now. So, and it's so. getting, you know, this widespread, 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 widespread acclaim and success, which just makes me so happy for From Software. I, I'm just thrilled for them that it, that's this well received and they're getting this huge audience who now is going to go back into their backlog and they're going to get more oh, yeah. fans of all that. And it's just like, I, I just, I'm so happy for it. Cause it's, it's one of those instances where it's like, man, this game is everywhere right now. People are oh, yeah. everywhere. People it's, who've never played Dark Souls at all. It's so funny. Um, my friend Chris, you yeah. know, that we've played some Warzone with or whatever. I mean, obviously, I'm more than just Warzone, but like, that's how you kind of know him a lot. Um, he actually texted me. I was like, do I need to play any other Souls games to be able to enjoy Elden Ring? And I was like, why is he tech? Like, of all people, him? Oh, that's big. But up. I was like, that's, that's big. Yeah. So. And I've seen some things on Twitter about like other like developers, like um, Horizon Zero Dawn. They released their yeah. new game, yeah. And like people are making fun of like, you know, they're like, "Man, people are seeing this game so well, and there's no like real HUD or story or quest." And you know, everyone's like, "That's kind of the point of the game." You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there, yeah, it's, it's not all in your face all at once. It's so funny. And you people know? like they're mad because they're like, "Well, I guess you don't have to put in the work." Is how they're kind of. Right. Talking uh, about it. So it's, it's, yeah. It's a funny dichotomy going on. I don't think right this, now. you know, Elden Ring, to talk about it just for a little bit more before we get into our main dish here, is definitely not a, delicious a, a Ubisoft open world, right? You don't have the markers or the 
Questlog or Towers. That. And for me, if we guys remember way back, we talked about things that are interesting to us. And a big thing for me was the edges of the map, the things that are unknown. And Elden Ring is just full of that. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of places I've gone, the amount of things I've seen where I'm just like, what is that? I mean, good and bad, right? What the? You see these amazing views. And what's so cool, you know, because in all Dark Souls games, they always give you those really nice views. And you're like, oh, I could go there. But in Elden Ring, it's even magnified because you're like, oh, I have been there. I can track my path that I took all the way up to this little spot. Now I'm on this cliff overlooking it. And you see, like, someone else down there. And you're like, oh, what's that? Mm -hmm. You go down there, investigate, and it's just giant lobsters that try to kill you. And you're like, oh, my God. And there's five of them chasing you all of a sudden as you're sprinting around on your spirit horse, double jumping out of the way. So it's been a... It's been it's been a it's, ride. It's it's been a ride, man. It's been fantastic. I'm very happy it's gotten such good um, like acclaim as well because yeah, they're they're working on this for a while. Yeah, and you know I, I think know right some, at the time that Sekiro entered development, this did as well to give you a point of reference. Yeah, they've been working out for a couple of years now, so that's kind of crazy. But yeah, anyways, I'm just going to tell how my week's been going real quick. Go for it. Um, you know, obviously this episode's a few late, a couple days late into the week, and that's fine. That's kind of how we do things right now. Anyways, um, you know, this week's been fine. I've been working on a few resets for some of the stores I'm working. Uh, new products coming in, old products going out, yada, yada, yada. Um, thank goodness. So I think it was in the last episode I talked about the new apps that were dropping or whatever. Mm. It was only for that one week. Okay, uh, good. So, so far. And so I'm like, oh, thank God. God, I can't handle more stuff that I have to like micromanage and do right now. Um, but you know, Ellie's been on spring break, and so we've been kind of just all hanging out the house. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. No, but is it weird to have? Let me ask you this: Is it weird to have those, like those uh, breaks reversed now? To where you're like, man, I can't believe spring break is coming up. We're gonna have Ellie for a week rather well, than her going to school. Yeah, for well, a week. so our thing, you know, like our mom didn't really work when we were kids, right? right. So we. You know, obviously, but my uh, we had like um, babysitters and stuff, so they could go on dates. Uh, but you know, we both work, and so when a break comes up, it's not like, oh man, Ellie's like going to be here all week because obviously we love having her. But it's it's more like, man, how are we going to finagle these like three days? So it's like, okay, I'm going to leave extra early, you know, da da da, and kind of skip a few things, and then you can leave, and you know, so we kind of have to finagle it that way. Mm. So. It's a, it's a little stressful at times, but overall, like, oh yeah, you know, Ellie's been really enjoying the backyard. Yeah, she goes back there and like has a little shovel, and she's just kind of digging away at like the spot. And I'm like, enjoy it, like yeah. enjoy the backyard that we have. I remember doing it as a kid, just digging. Oh yeah, for no reason. I know. I'm I don't like, know what it is that's appealing about like, it. Go but. ahead and do it for hours, you know. Right. Um, Jack's making some on the fly. Just turning you up just a little bit because you know. I leaning to I was worried with these mics they do pick up us up a little bit better so I've been trying not to be too close I would say but maybe I don't do a fist do an open palm open spread finger thumb to pinky okay I, th- I think th- I think that's a good range thumb, thumb to pinky thumb to pinky you know <laughs> mouth thumb pinky mic what's the acronym for that M T P M just remember <laughs> oh, oh, there's got to be something better we can do than that. Anyways, sounds like a damage noise and like Jack and Daxter. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's man. a good one, man. I can, I can do that pretty, pretty well. Good. That's pretty good. What, I lost my train of thought. 
What was I saying? Spring break. Ellie's been digging in the backyard. Yes. You said, yes. dude, just do you. Last. So last thing I want to say is I've been thinking. I've been so I'm two things. Two things before we get into the meat and potatoes, unless you want something else. Not only am I thinking about starting my own root beer company. Well, business, not company. I've also been like collecting and trying different root beers to kind of like gauge everything. So that I have this new brand right here called Bulldog. Uh-huh. And I've been thinking about making like small, like little, like two minute long videos on like TikTok be about maybe like, mm, yeah, you know, like kind of ranking the different ones and like kind of like something like the a little smell, the taste. Yeah, like a little root beer collection. Like have some funny acronym, you know, like yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah, just something. Be really good. I think it'd be pretty good. Yeah. And there's a lot of root beers out there. So, oh, yeah. That and then easy way to make money take your phone because phones are core like in full HD now, right? Take your phone, have a nice backyard, or it's a nice scenery. Have it record for an hour while it's raining. And then also have a good quality mic. Record the rain audio. And then you can put it on YouTube. Hour long, ASMR, no loop, rain audio, full HD, you know, all the buzzwords. Millions of views, thousands of dollars in ad revenue. You're welcome. Charlie, let's get into the episode. Unless you have something else. No, I'm ready to dive into the main course here. That's my idea, my get rich quick scheme. I thought it was going to be like that with the podcast, but, you know. (laughs) 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 Just just kidding. Jack. Oh, I'm excited about today. Quick quick little uh, factoid. When did Bloodborne come out? 2000. I know this because I looked it up before I came here. 2000. What, 1415? 2015. Oh, okay. He was close. close. So what is so interesting to me about Bloodborne, right? And I never really thought about that in this way until I watched a couple YouTube videos just about, you know, soul stuff. But right after the end of of development for Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2 started development, but also Bloodborne started as well. With Dark Souls 2? Yeah, so around that same time. And hmm. you have Miyazaki, who did not touch Bloodborne 2, or sorry, Dark Souls 2, but then went to Bloodborne. And so it's interesting looking at this game not only as like the one of my favorite from software games that they've ever made, and I think just honestly like a masterful game. Bloodborne is, I think Bloodborne, Sekiro, some of their more contained experiences that really focus on like a couple things have been just amazing in my mind. And so, but it's interesting thinking of Bloodborne not only as its own standalone thing, but as like the next iteration of the Dark Souls kind of idea, right? I guess when you put it that way, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because too. you have Dark Souls 2, but it's, and it is different. And I, Dark Souls 2 is the black sheep of the family. I love Dark Souls 2. I played, it. The first I played like, it a lot, man. Yeah, and it's just, it has its quirks, but like. The variety in Dark Souls 2, the weapons. I will say, I think the best thing for me about Dark Souls 2 is how different it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's obviously good and bad about how different it is. Yeah. But I think the good parts of it being different is that, you know, you have like the night set you get in Dark Souls 1. But like there's a lot of unique sets, mm-hmm. unique weapons, unique areas. And then, well, Dark Souls 3, I think, is equally, it's great. You know, it's obviously yeah. better than Dark Souls 2. But I think there's a lot more callbacks. And while yeah. that isn't like, you know, kind of bad, I was almost like, it's kind of almost leaning on that Dark Souls nostalgia a lot more than 2 was. Yeah, Dark Souls 3 and very, very much, because you know we just said, oh, Bloodborne's kind of the unofficial sequel. I really feel like Dark Souls 3 is like the direct sequel to Dark Souls. Oh, for you sure. You know what I mean? Like with the callbacks, with 
some of the other stuff. And I love Dark Souls 3. But yeah, I do have to say that like my overall impression coming away from that game as opposed to something like Bloodborne is I'm like, man, I felt like I was leading up to something a little bit different. You know, a little bit more outside the the mold, the formula, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But really, we're not here to talk about Dark Souls. We're talking about Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Okay, so Bloodborne. I remember first hearing about this game, Jack, when it was had the code name of Project Beast. I remember that. Yeah, and the it got that first cinematic trailer for it, where the, the, the blood vial. In it's the, like walking through the town. Yeah. It's in the opening for, for the game. And he's dragging that dog away. <laughs> it is just that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and then coming into Bloodborne for the first time, I mean, it is just stunningly. It looks amazing. Even like I would say overly detailed at times when you're like, there's just too much going on. Like you can't even. Especially when you get to like the nightmare realms. Anyway, that's a small if, little if, bit. Bigger. I'm just gonna say right now, if Bloodborne had the open world that Elden Ring had, I'd I'd still be playing it to this day. I think. Yeah. Like Bloodborne's world is so fascinating and mm. so cool looking. Like I said, so detailed. Yeah. And it's it's one of those games that really hits. You know that urge of like, I wish I could go over there. I wish mm-hmm. I could like you know mm-hmm. the whole like huge city you see all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, there's like you said. There's a lot, so continue. And the the perfect marriage of the kind of Dark Souls-esque storytelling where they give you some lore, they give you some small details, how that kind of storytelling device works so well with Lovecraftian eldritch horror stuff that you don't really understand, that you're not meant to understand. It kind of goes hand in hand with what they're good at already. And so for here, I mean, this is... Before we go any further, Jack, I'm just going to say for anyone out there, if you are listening to this and you haven't played Bloodborne, and what, I mean, anything that we've sound, you're like, wow, that sounds great. Please, don't listen further. As with, I think, most Souls games, it is there are the best enjoyed when you play them for the first time. And you see that insane-looking boss for the first time. You have that dread of, Oh, hey, I'm low on blood vials. There's a fog gate in front of me. I have all these blood echoes that I could potentially lose. Do I try to fight the boss or do I go back? Like, those feelings are so encapsulated in that first playthrough when everything's new and you don't know what's around the corner that if you have not played Bloodborne and this sounds good to you, please stop. Play it. It's like 20 bucks. PS4, PS5. 20 bucks, 20 bucks. I think it's actually, is it in the PlayStation Plus collection? So if you get a PlayStation 5, you can just play it. You know what? It might be. Yeah, it so might be. that is your warning to stop here for spoilers because we're going to be spoiling the hell out of this game. Well, I just want to say, Charlie, can I describe to you what Yarnum is? Yeah, go for it. So Yarnum is a fiction. This is, this is directly from Wikipedia, by the way. Yarnum is a fictional city that is a primary setting of Bloodborne, heavily featuring Gothic revival architecture. The city was founded by and experienced rapid growth due to an organization known as the Healing Church. The church, which discovered miraculous occult blood in ancient catacombs beneath the city that could, that could cure any illness, drew many people to Yarnum from across the land. It encouraged rampant xenophobia, with its residents and uh, its residents resisting and mocking outsiders. However, the use of the ancient blood had unintended consequences as it began to indiscriminately transform those who possessed it into beasts. 
Ah, uh, yes. A plague that the church attempted to suppress. Can I pause you right there? Yeah. That gets into, I think, one of my favorite things about Bloodborne is kind of militaristic religious organizations. That's a fun trope in video games, And the man. healing really church is. with the idea that the healing church is sending out these hunters and there's like hunting workshops. Like it is just... Now, of course, this is all for my personal opinion. So you're getting a big insight into Charlie's taste here. But also oh, badass, man. Like when you hear about... And the Souls games are all good at this. But like when you hear about like, oh, man, this this sword was designed after Ludwig's Holy Blade and it's supposed to represent and it's, you know, this cool trick weapon. And you're like man, who is that? The first hunter? Or, you know, you hear about Gurman and his old hunting days, but how he's been beaten down and, oh, mm-hmm. God. I, I, yeah, so continue, continue. Despite this, a phenomenon known as the Blood Moon brings about the city's downfall. When the player encounters Yarnum, most of its surviving inhabitants are either in hiding or already becoming beasts. And then, this is just a side note, Yarnum was praised by critics for its architectural and level design, as well as the subversion of classic Lovecraftian tropes in its lore and characters. So, for me personally, I've always heard about Lovecraft. i always heard yeah. about, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This game, I think, really got me into that genre yep. because of the way that this game delivers mm-hmm. it to you. It keeps you always wondering what's happening without completely going over your head, I feel like. Yeah. Because you do, like, you know, you do talk to the characters the first time you play through. You do pick up these items and stuff like that that make you, like you said, oh, this is a holy blade. Okay. You look at that. You're going through its stats, and you see a description. It's like, oh, inspired by it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this game also really made me appreciate trick weapons and how... They based trick weapons off of real things and then kind of went way yeah. overboard on it. And <laughs> yeah. it's so freaking cool. Yeah. So. No, that's that's a great tidbit. call. And so I think the most appropriate place for us to start, Jack, is, of course, not to, you know, in the past, like I think with Demon Souls, we kind of beat by beat went through each location. I kind of appreciate now, especially as we've been pon- uh, podcasting, pon- I, I do that pon- a lot. Podcasting? Let's pause here a second. Let me grab a little drink on the side. I do that a lot to where, you know, you seem to struggle with, like, you'll hit, like, a certain thing that you can't do. I'll have, like, the whole sentence relatively planned out, but what will happen is I'll, like, skip a word or combine, like, a word I'm going to say. And so, oftentimes, that's where I trip myself up, is I'll try to, like, talk too fast. Yeah, here's my thing. I I think on the fly with my speech a lot lot of the time, and so I've already thought past what I'm saying, and that trips me up a lot. Mm. So that's kind of where my, I think my fault comes from. Yeah. I think. But who's to know? But as we've been podcasting for a little bit more, I really appreciate the more organic approach through the game. Yeah. And I really want to focus a lot on Bloodborne's gameplay. You it's, you tell me your thing, and I'm going to go grab a drink from the basement. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Bloodborne starts right away when you receive this blood transfusion with the holy that, as just as Jack said earlier, oh, he's going down to the basement. Jack said earlier that we received, you know, the holy blood that they found in catacombs. The moment you get to Yarnum, you receive this. You receive this. Uh, I'll just wait. I won't keep talking. I'll just wait for you to get back for your drink here. Oh, he's finally back. Oh, jeez. 
Go, you know what? I think we shut the door. It's gonna sound really good in post. Okay. So the first thing that happens in Yarnum is you receive a blood transfusion. Kind of linking your character up to this lineage of this holy blood. Good. All signed and sealed. All signed and sealed. And then your character has this like creepy vision where this werewolf comes out of this like pool of blood and tries to get you. And then it catches on fire. And then these little messenger guys kind of wake you up. And as with, I think, all Souls games, but especially with Bloodborne, you don't you don't have any idea what that means. Yeah, right? You're really and confused. To be honest, what I love about these games is you don't have to know what they mean. It kind of just serves as like a tone, like a feeling. And I think that is what's important, right? They don't really care that you understand exactly what this blood-drenched werewolf vision that caught on a flame is, right? They don't care that you know exactly what that is. They just want to create that feeling. So yeah, you wake up in this little tiny clinic. And as with most souls from soft games, you go out and there's a werewolf that you have to, or a giant wolf that you have to try to fight. Probably will kill you the first time. And then you get sent to the hunter's dream. And that's where you realize that this whole, this whole thing is just kind of set up to where, hey, you're a hunter. Hunters have access to this special dream world where you can kind of go and you can level up. You can upgrade your weapons. You can get some extra lore. You can buy armor sets or yeah, whatever. You can equip what like different you. runes or yada, yada, yada. So go to but the big, But the big cool. difference for me first playing this game is just how different it feels to play. Because all of the Souls games, like, I think if you were to look at a video of them, you wouldn't really get the difference. Like, Sekiro, obviously, is a big departure, I feel. But Bloodborne is a pretty, honestly, as a is one of the more different ones because it's a hyper-aggressive form of their combat and has a lot to do with you getting in there. And if you get hit, you have this short window of time to where you can hit the enemy back and recover some of that lost health as it's kind of, like, temporarily lost. Yeah, And I love, as Miyazaki said it, his health bar is almost like your will to keep fighting. And so as you get in there and you're like gaining that health back and you're going toe-to-toe with these screaming monstrosities that are just rampaging everywhere, you're toe-to-toe with them just trying to survive. And everything from this game's tone to the fact that instead of a shield in your offhand, you often have just a gun, which is primarily used to either stun or parry people. And... I mean, even your healing is these blood vials that you just violently, like, jab into your leg. Just great animations on these, like... No, yeah, it's... And, God, you when you get the trick weapons for the first time, I use the sock lever through most of my thing. I know Jack used the axe. Yeah, Hunter's axe. And it's just cool how this game really, really does, I feel, start differently and make you... it, Especially that first area in Yarnum as you go up through the patrolling guys, all of the enemies, the big ogre. It really tells you, like, hey... This is how you're going to play all the way up to, say, Father Gascoigne. If you try to fight Father Gascoigne in the old Dark Souls way of, oh, hit a couple times and back off or dodge backwards, he will just absolutely murder you. Yeah, But if you exactly. play, if you fight him the Bloodborne way of, like, getting up in his face and being hyper-aggressive, you can, like, just destroy him, and he's, like, a piece of cake. But, like, that is, like, this really hard block to make because playing Dark Souls, you have, like, all these innate things like, okay, keep my shield up, watch my stamina. And Bloodborne's like, nah, nah, just get in there. Get in there and do it. Get in there and do it. I Take li- that risk. I like that he described it as like your HP, your HP bar is like your will to live. Because it yeah. definitely is. And 
in every video game, but Bloodborne especially more so because you have the chance to get a bit of that H- that HP back. I mean, like you jump in, so even if you start off like, oh, you get hit, no big deal. If I still get in there, I can still get some of that back and still like push forward, basically. And I think one of my favorite things about Bloodborne, it's, it's possible in other games, but in Bloodborne, basically every primary weapon is viable. Yeah. You know, like you can use all of them pretty effectively and that was one of my favorite things about the game is that if you have things leveled up you can interchange them and you you change your play style a bit they all work like great you know what i mean and not it wasn't kind of like there was like i'm sure there was but there weren't like single like oh this weapon or this weapon like it was like oh no if you're good with this yeah you're good you know what i mean that's i remember using the stake driver a lot i used um the old hunters um the, the old version of the Hunter's Axe that you yeah. get in the DLC. I, I know you use the uh, the Ludwig. No, the you Holy, did, yeah, the Holy, Holy Blade, Blade the and there's one. the Kirk Hammer too. So, I mean, like, you know, I kind of jumped around a lot of different weapons after my first playthrough. Yeah. And Bloodborne lets you do that very easily. Mm-hmm. And it's all, like I said, viable. Which you go to, like, Dark Souls, it is to an extent, but you have to do a lot more work to get it yeah. to be nearly as viable. Yeah. So, anyways... And just the the versatility. Let's take a second and talk about the trick weapons. So your main weapons in the game. Yes, yes, yes. yes I yes. like Jack said. The trick weapons in this game are just awesome. I mean, all of them are. They're From so as something as simple as the saw cleaver, which is like this kind of saw where you have the blade. Imagine almost like a bow, and you're holding, you know, thing and the, the instead of a string or like the I don't know the shaft of the bow you have well, your blade. so imagine like, imagine you're holding the string of the bow yeah that's a piece of wood yeah and the actual wood part of the bow there you go. that's the blade yeah and then when you transform it, it that saw part flicks out into so it's more like a sword or like a cleaver and yeah, you can or, interchange yeah. that so you can be like hitting really fast and quick and then ching, and then just the sound effect that goes along with it is just and oh. it's it's so cool that that if you're attacking that that switch that trick switch or whatever is an attack if you're attacking. Yeah. So you go boom, boom, two short attacks, hit L1, which is like the flip button, boom, go into your long attack, and then you can flick it right back and like immediately change like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's so much fun with the hunter's axe because you literally just extend the hunter's axe yeah. when you do its thing. And so you do like these long, you know, swipes down, you switch it around into like a shorter like hand axe basically. So it's a the way that the combat's done this game. I'm not gonna say it's underrated, but it's I think so it, I think it fluid. Yeah, you think it's underrated? <sighs> I think. Well, no, Bloodborne. I think is very positively viewed by most of the Souls community. But it's just since I think it was a PlayStation exclusive, it didn't experience like the widespread success that I feel like Dark Souls did or Dark Souls Three even did, and definitely not the success that Elden Ring saw. I mean, I mean Sekiro I think was probably success. more successful, but of course Sekiro is multiplat, so you have that aspect as well. But yeah, there is something about Bloodborne. I mean, even the the true trial, I think, of a good Souls game is when you first come across a hard enemy, right? And you just get beat down by this enemy the over and over. On. Yeah. And then you finally overcome it. And then you realize, oh, if I just do this, I can beat this enemy really easily. And then they start throwing more of those enemies at you to where they're just normal guys now. They're not mini bosses anymore. And I feel that exact same way about the wolves in Bloodborne. Those lopey, long-armed, creepy wolves. Werewolf. Yeah, werewolf-esque. And they're they're like hyper-aggressive and they 
hard punish you if you try to dodge back and away from them. Oh, Because they just keep coming forward and attacking you. And so, like, they have this cone of attack that's, like, just pushing always on you. But, true Bloodborne fashion, if you just, whoop, jump right right towards them, you can just get right in behind the little cone. I will say. slaughter the crap out of them. Those enemies also teach you that you can't always stop an attack. Yes. So, usually if... Uh, Kate's arriving. She's coming from the oh. basement. We probably don't the, make a big. The, she was. So, she's going to be. So, she's going to feel so bad about. It. And she's I was just, like, it's all like, don't worry about it. It's fine. No, it's fine. She's just coming from the other basement. It's coming from the other dimension. Hey, how's it going? Trust me. Feel bad. Don't feel bad. Yeah. Don't at feel, all. Don't feel bad. It's fine. Don't worry about Our it. Our podcast is high quality stuff, Kate. So <laughs> by you interrupting it. <laughs> this is, I mean, we, we lost, start, start over. We lost our sponsors. <laughs> there goes our sponsors. No. <laughs> there goes a Dollar Shave Club sponsor. No, <laughs> but to go back, uh, to talk about no, yeah, what I was saying. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Is go so ahead. the wolves like they're good at teaching you you can stop attacks, but sometimes you have to hit an enemy a certain amount of times. Yeah, like usually it's three times, and you can stop them attacking. Yeah. But they hard punish you, like you said. If you don't have the time to get that in, you need to either one. Hit him with the gun, the parry, or jump out of the way at the right time. Mm-hmm. And those worlds, they punish you not only for not paying attention while you're going full frontal attack, but also when you're trying to just do Dark Souls style backing up or yeah. whatever. So I don't know if it's intentional, but that to me, I think it definitely very clever yeah. enemy design. That's the way I view it. Yeah. So I'm going to interview one of the well, and you see combat that- developers one day. Oh, that'd, that'd be so that'd be freaking awesome. cool. But you see that with a lot, you know, in fact, like I think of primarily like Vicar Amelia. Vicar Amelia was a, is like super intimidating, super intimidating when you first go into it. Very, it seems like it's impossible, but like now Vicar Amelia, very much like with Father Gascoigne, where it's just like piece of cake. You just get in there and just like, literally you can just get in there and just punch through. And And then what's great, yeah, what's great about it is that like the some of the bigger beast enemies will take limb damage and so like they'll stagger if you hit their limbs enough so you can just be up there just hacking away oh that's so it's that's what i love about the hunter's axe is it does just enough damage to kind of get that yeah sometimes multiple times in a row so you're going boom boom there's a limb boom and there goes another one and then boom like you know there's like a third one if you have the stamina for it so you know the combat in this game i you know obviously there's so much that's highlights of it but the combat really sticks out mm-hmm. from you know even Elden Ring even Sekiro oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. they, it's really its own beast you know no pun intended yeah um mainly I think due to the versatility of the trick weapons and the way you have to be aggressive yeah. and I love what I love so much about Bloodborne even now I mean years removed from when it released is that you can see that DNA in all their games going forward I mean, look at Dark Souls 3. It's much quicker all of a sudden. Enemies are swinging wildly at you all of a sudden. And then you get to Sekiro, and it's kind of the same thing. Sekiro, I think, is a little bit different since it's so focused on its own combat system, very much like Bloodborne is, even, I think, to a greater extent. But then even in Elden Ring, I mean, there's elements in there where I'm like, dude, this is just a Bloodborne guy, like, just transparent. And I even went to this area earlier 
where there's all these doors that are chained shut. And I'm like, God, this is reminding me of like the lower streets of Yarnum when you're going through and all. Oh my gosh. It's all foggy and it's all foggy. I'm like, this is like, and it's really cool to see how they see what worked and they're like, yeah, we'll keep that. That's, that was good design. We'll keep that. I think one of the coolest, I mean, there's, there's so much to talk about. One of the coolest parts of Bloodborne is when you find like the old dream, the old hunter's dream. Mm. And you go and you go like, I forgot how you get there. You're going up in like this elevator. You hop off or something. And you go into like this old part of the town, like yeah. old, old Yarnum. Yeah. And there's like we there's like weird versions of enemies there. There's like weird versions of dogs. And then you go into this old hunter's dream. There's like an old doll that's broken down there, mm-hmm. you know, and the place is like burned down or whatever. And like, it's really like eerie. And you're like, huh? Yeah. Like what, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. You know, cause you never really get the full answers to anything. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can, if you do enough of your own research, you can, but like, it takes a lot to kind of really piece together what's going on. I feel like, Oh yeah, um, definitely. Especially like getting, unlocking some of the endings. I think Dark Souls three is really bad about that. Getting some of those yeah. endings Blood like is NPC. pretty good, I feel. Some of those NPC quests in Dark Souls 3 are really annoying. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. I said, Bloodborne, it's a lot less like, oh, I just didn't see them. Or, oh, I didn't talk to them right after I did this, and then it closed off because I went to this area right after or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's a whole quest line with the crow lady or the crow assassin. Eileen. And she's in this really cool... Like, you know, hunter, almost like plague doctor kind of outfit. Yeah, like a crow mask shape. And she has like this cloak that looks like it's just adorned with like crow feathers. Uh, She has these cool twin knives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And her quest is like to fight this. She's like looking for like this rogue hunter or something, Mm -hmm. I think. Or um, it's been vile bloods, I think. Yeah. She's looking for and oh my gosh so you find her eventually like on like the steps of the chapel you fight vicar amelia in and she's like he's like too strong or whatever don't go in there like this is like my job but you can go in there the npcs in this game first playthrough not too bad on new game plus the npcs are no joke it's actually the most unfair thing i think oh and there's that moment i think when you get to the fight is, so is it Yarhagul where you go through and there's those three Yar-Hagul. of them? Yarhagul. Yarhagul. Where there's those three of them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. In that in the in the, another old chapel. Yeah. yeah, there's that like there's that little guy with like the feral beast claws, yeah. and there's that guy who has the you talk, talk about just yeah. Oh my god. But um that aside, I think one and I want to get talk about a little bit about like kind of like the themes and stuff of the game. Yeah, yeah. So much of the early game is this dark Victorian Gothic horror setting where like people are becoming beasts and you're not sure why it's because of this old corrupted blood. And none of that I think is better shown than of course you have your first fight against the cleric beast, which is just awesome. I mean, oh, it's what so I love about cool. Bloodborne is that like the enemies are so just like letting out these horrifying screams and roars and the music is just Phenomenal. going wild. Yeah. You know, the, the, the orchestra choir. in the background is just <laughs> In the choir, oh yeah, <laughs> like oh my god, and they just <laughs> yeah, but and I you're think like, it's ah, rolling around, it's so good. Talk about, I mean, if you want to talk about uh, the it's kids so say today, good. the vibe, right? The vibe, Father Gascoigne, when you walk into that graveyard and he's chopping the corpses, <sighs> beasts all over the shop, you'll be one of them. 
soon. Like he's already turning into and he like looks at you and he's like he has these cloth over his eyes and he's like kind of these spiky teeth and you're like oh my gosh he's like Pharaoh whatever yeah and he's Uh, like talking to you while you're fighting him and it's it's so the design in this game is so cool and so iconic. I remember when I first saw the trailer for I think like a boss fight for that and they like had, had summons helping him and I was like. And it showed Father Gascoigne like halfway through the fight, he transforms into like his beast form. And he's just these flurry of attacks. And I remember watching that as just like this casual Dark Souls player. And I'm like, what how the- are you supposed to even beat him? Mm-hmm. And it's so cool, like getting in there. And it's it's exactly like that. Like it's just as, it can be just as brutal and just as scary. But like so much of this game is just about overcoming that and getting in there. And that feeling of when you finally get through that boss, when you get to see that new area, there's... There's nothing else like that in games right now. I mean, there are other games that are like that, but no other game has given me that feeling like a true From Software game, right? Like, I play, like, Salt and Sanctuary, which I think is a fantastic game. In fact, they're coming out with another one. Really? Which we might need to play through. It's a great homage to yeah. Dark Souls. But no, no other game has really given me that feeling. I mean, you can throw maybe Shadow of the Colossus in there. It might be... It's a different feeling, But though. it's still a different feeling, right? Like, there's something about overcoming the adversaries in the Soulsborne games and Bloodborne, especially because they're so freaking weird and horrifying. That's just, you feel so accomplished as you're going through and you're getting better. You're understanding things more, you know, okay. Okay. I need to level up my weapon. Okay. Put these things on my weapon to make them do this. Okay. I need more stamina. Okay. I need more health or okay. Like, you know, there's all these, all these little things you can Mm. do that you slowly start piecing together and you find your own thing that works. Yeah. And that's what's cool about all these games is that you find your thing that works and it'll kind of carry you through. Mm -hmm. The only time it doesn't, if if you're like fundamentally like not doing what you're, you know, basically being shown to do. I mean, I think the hard, the hard lesson, and especially I think we learned this, of course, all the way back in Demon's Souls, is that like weapon scaling and stat, like when you put points into stats, you can mess yourself up if you try to like spread your stats out too much and to be a jack like a regular traits. RPG. It's a lot better to like focus on strength or decks or like the things you know you're going to be using, but it's hard to know that going forward. But that's a piece of knowledge that even in like Elden Ring, where I'm like, hey, I know that I'm gonna go. I always like to play these. My first play through these games is always sword and shield. I, although that thing said I have this cool spear thing in Elden Ring now, but well, the first uh, half. But, you know, it's always been in these games, hey, no magic, no ranged. I'm just going to go sword and shield, maybe a range to, like, take out some annoying enemies. Or, But it's always been, you know, I want to get up there. Like, I want to see what these things can do. Like, I don't want to yeah. stand back and cast my spells or do that. And Bloodborne is just like, no, yeah, get in there. Do it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just fantastic. I will say, before we get a little bit too deep into, like, kind of the theming of Bloodborne is... One potential thing I will fault about Bloodborne is the <gasps> is the blood vial system. I do wish blood vials, it was just a restocking 20 at every lamp rather than, hey, you actually have to farm blood vials. I do think if you end up in a spot to where you're up against a tough boss that you haven't ever fought before, you're going against it countless times, you can get up in a spot where you just don't have blood vials and you have to go back. And that sucks a little bit, you know? Yeah, it it'd does. be better if it was always just 20. Like, no matter what. And you couldn't get more. You couldn't get less. You could maybe pick up more in the outer world, but you couldn't, like, bank more. But then, once you play the game through a few times, you start... Or even you play it... Yeah, you play through it once, and you're like, man, like, I'm getting stuck doing this. You know what I mean? 
you kind of, like you said, you kind of start piecing, or you're going to say, sorry, I cut you off. Like, yeah. you kind of start piecing together, okay, I have a finite grind, amount yeah. of these. Or you can just grind that early area. Yeah. You I mean, just that's run through that you... area and just get a bunch of blood vials. That's kind of what I do. Yeah. But the thing is, is when you are, when you play through the game maybe once or going through it your second time, you start to be able to just bank the blood vials because you're not using them as much and it doesn't ever become an issue again. Yeah. And then at the end of the game, you can just buy them and literally you can just be like, oh, I'm just going to buy 300 blood vials. It's expensive though. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, you get enough because you end up having like extra after you level up, you know, like the spare 4,000. You can be like, I'm going to buy some blood vials. I think one of the most, like, one, again, there's so many, but one of the most iconic parts of this game is when you're first captured by those guys with the bags. There are these enemies that are real slow, but they do oh my gosh. a ton of damage. And yeah. so if you're not ready for it, they swing this bag down at you. Boom. But regardless of how they kill you, if they're the ones who kill you, string goes black. Okay, I'll have to fight them. Okay, I'll do this next time, whatever. I got it. A cutscene happens, and your vision's, like, you know, obscured through, like, this mm-hmm. cloth bag or whatever and then you're left like in this cell and you're in this horrifying like decrepit dungeon area not to mention it's creepy too because this place has like this hyper ominous background choir track that's going on the entire time that you're there and yeah it's it feels awful you're just like where the hell am i and you're traversing this place and i'm not sure if it's now or if it's after you beat the blood starved beast, but this is the place where you encounter those weird limb werewolf things. Those things are horrifying. You're down there fighting these things and you, okay, it's an item down here, an item. And then you're walking back from being the item. And there's this lady like laying right there. And she's like, Oh, like, don't hurt me. Like I'm just, I've lost, I've been lost or whatever. But if you are wearing like church clothes, you can convince her to like, okay, I know a place you can go say it's safe. And then, you know, you can kind of start her quest line or whatever. But, like, it has this way of just making things so unsettling. Yeah. And you make your way out of this dungeon, and there are these weird, like, just amorphous monstrosities. Like the thing. Like, think of the thing. Like, just weird body Yeah, think of of the thing. Think of even almost, like, the blob. Those, like, big, like, chest things or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of freaky stuff in this area. I mean, not to include the giant boar that's here, too. Oh, but. Giant boars. Giant boars, man. And this is also the place where it starts getting, it's been, always been a little cosmic at this point. A little Lovecraftian yeah. horror has always kind of been there. It's kind of like a big theme. Of Definitely this. in the background, I think, in the first half of the game. Up until you defeat uh, Rom. And that's kind of yeah, the Yeah, that's point. where it starts kind of really being like, oh, yes, the vacuous Rom. Like, yeah. things here get, get real weird, real spacey. And yeah, this is where you encounter... Oh, well, grant God. me eyes. Grant me <laughs> eyes. What's his name? The really freaky, like, mass of limbs boss. What's his oh, name? Oh, what? The unborn? The, is it just the unborn? The unborn one or something. The unborn one, something, something like, like that. that. This boss is, like, utterly horrifying. Oh, yeah. And the whole time you're fighting it, it's just, like, talking in these tongues, and it's like, yeah, like talking yeah, and like it, it's and doing this weird like like summon like flag it's it's so freaky and even though but way, it's so enticing to the game because yeah. you're at that point you're like what in the world because it's summoned from like this red blood moon almost it looks yeah. like it comes from the moon yeah and drops down yeah. and you're like what in the world is going on yeah so I mean, you can you can go on from there no but, that's 
you touched on, I think, what is so cool about Bloodborne is, yeah, it starts off very, you know, gothic horror. I mean, it's dripping, right? You people are going mad. You're, you have this awesome, like, hunter's attire that you're just going through the city and you're just trying to find out what's going on. And the only direction you're giving is like, hey, just go out there and kill the beasts. We just need them dead. We need them dead. You're like, okay. But, I mean, like, everyone's kind of beast. Everyone's kind point. of a beast. You're like, and this blood, I mean, these blood vials that I'm taking to heal myself, like, that's the same stuff that turns people into beasts, right? And they're like, yeah, well, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, you got time. You got time. You're you good. Time. You're good. You know, so it starts off very much just in that. You're just, you're hunting these things. And then very soon you learn that, like, the origin of this blood is much more locked within the cosmic Lovecraftian horror about these great ones who've touched down, you know, eons ago. And... When you get into, I would say, the masterful DLC, The Old Hunters. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Fantastic. <laughs> and you start going into other ver- other dream worlds and other, and it just gets the imagery. And even the fact that you have this insight meter that's been building up the whole time. And it ultimately, I think, is a little disappointing in how it plays out. But once that insight meter, so once you've gained enough eldritch knowledge, you start to be able to see that in locations previously that where there was nothing there or there's kind of weird events. You start to see that there's these giant, what do they call them? esque monsters. Amygdalas. Amygdalas. Yeah. Yeah, these amygdalas. So these giant multi-limbed creatures that are just like ominously like hanging on top of buildings and just yeah, watching just you. Chilling. There's like tons of them. Yeah. Just over there. Just, and if you get close, they do like turn their head and look at you. And it's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. And I think the, the coolest way to go into the DLC is like you go pick up this thing. It's like little batch of like clothes or whatever and if you stand there for too long boom, and if you don't have enough insight you can't see it but it goes boom, and just like grabs you grabs you and takes you right that's how you get to the dlc correct yep, that's yeah how you get there. and i remember that being like um excuse me because if you can't see him you're just picked up by this invisible force and then boom, like teleported yeah and it's freaking awesome it's, it's freaking yeah. awesome but you're jumping ahead a little bit here. Sorry, sorry. We're all jumping Jack, ahead. Jack, going through it. Yes. What are some of your favorite your favorite bosses, favorite areas of the favorite game? Bosses, favorite areas. Maybe let's let's leave. Let's save the DLC for just okay. a little bit. Yeah, a little bit later. The yeah. Favorite bosses, favorite areas of this game. So my favorite. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going for there. <clears throat> I think one of my favorite bosses in the game is the wet nurse. Mm. And this whole level, you're going through. And there's like this baby crying for this whole level, right? Mm-hmm. And there are these giant boars here that have multiple eyes. Oh, there are these freak, wa- freakish. There are these like watches of Yarnum or the, like these, yeah, these watchmen or whatever, which I think are a reference to Organization 13 because there's only 13 of them in oh, total. They, they have to be. I, I swear. The Shadows of Yarnum. That's a great The boss Shadows fight, of Yarnum. That's when what you go called. in there and you're like, oh, there's three bosses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And so so I think that's a really that not only is a good boss, but it's a good area. I'm gonna describe the area a bit more. In this area, there's this um giant eye, right? Am I thinking of the same area or is that a different one? Nightmare of Mensis. Nightmare of Mensis. Is that the same area with the wet nurse? Yeah, you climb all the way up. Yeah, that's it's right. the run that's up right. to like the, there's, the structure. And you don't know what it is, but if you get it's almost like Lord of the Rings. Um like a watcher from that one place at Samus of Rescue the Frodo. Animated Lord of the Ring. Yeah. It's like it lights up and then like these almost like shards of blood like pierce your body and start hurting you a lot. 
And so you have to like avoid its gaze and try to, you know, make your way up to this castle and fight through all these weird enemies. And like Terrific amounts of large spiders. Yeah, horrible, horrifying spiders. These guys with the rocks at you. There are these freaky, like, guys with the whole torches that'll explode, like, into those worms. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of freaky stuff. Anyways, the wet nurse, you go up into this area after, like, this, you ride this elevator up. And, you know, this baby's crying in this carriage. And then, vroom, like, this whole, like, black smog envelops and turns into this giant, I don't know what it is. It's, like, this freaky like six or four armed what it looks like maybe be. like a like a 16 foot like nozgul almost so imagine like that except yeah. there's no body there it's just yeah. like there's nothing underneath this it's cloak. just like cloak and, and it like, has like these multiple arms with these giant curved swords and this thing just you know walks you and just this is like flinging all these swords at you and like well it will disappear reappear somewhere and like charge at you and like keep mm. doing that such a fun boss the the wet nurse yeah really stinking cool oh it's great it's absolutely great i think for me great one of my too. favorite and this is just because i think i had such a good time the first time playthrough and this is why i always recommend going into these games any from software game as blind as you can is i remember the first time i fought the blood starved beast and it Ooh. was i fought him probably a little bit under leveled so he was extra hard one of those fights where it was like i'm using i used up all my blood vials he was super low i was super low in my heart's just pumping. Cause like this game and the music, like it gets to you. Like you start to like get AMC up. And so like in those moments, you know, you're like trying to keep yourself alive. And the Bloodstar Beast, of course, is, can poison you and can, is so fast, especially when you first play through. Oh my it's so it does that shriek. And so finally oh, being able yeah. to beat him and being like, Yes! And you're yes! standing there and you're just like your heart's still pumping. It's just it's really good. That, I remember that, you know, very fondly as being, you know, I think one of my favorite bosses early on in the game. Of course, there's a lot of different. I like the Shadows of Yarnum a lot. Of course, Vicar Amelia is great. Um, Rom, underwhelming boss fight, but really cool intro. Yeah. Because, so. Talk about how stupid those spiders are in New Game Plus, though. I mean, like, oh golly, just God. like, the, when they jump up and try to headbutt you, they just one-shot you. <laughs> I, I know. And you have to fight Rom several other times in some of the Chalice Dungeons and smaller spots where the spiders just... You know, just <laughs> so this Rom is like this... It's called He's called the Vacuous Rom. The Vacuous Spider. And I don't really know what Rom... Like what it, he or it means. Yeah, so he, I do. He, she, it. I don't know what it means. Yeah. But once you defeat Rom... Well, let's rewind a bit. You beat the Shadows of Yarnum. And you're walking through like this little forest kind of area. And then like these weird bugmen. Mummified <laughs> bugmen. <laughs> they like start jumping out and like attacking you and they'll yeah, like hop on you and like yeah. and it's freaky. And this is where one of the early encounters, you encounter them earlier. But you find like this weird hooded guy that like casts those like locking spells at you and will mm -hmm. come up and like suck your insight. Yeah. Really freaky. Yeah, I hate those um, guys. And there's also where you encounter those weird centipede monsters that, like, shoot comets at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very Lovecraftian beast right there. Anyways, you go into this chapel. The college. This, yeah, you go into this little college, this little chapel kind of area. Mm -hmm. And you open it up, and there's, like, this rogue student or yeah, someone somebody, from... somebody there. The from healing the, church. From the healing church. 
who's like trying to defend this guy beyond this door before you fight Ron. Either that or he's right? there to also kill the guy. And since you came in there looking for the guy, he wants to kill you too. Yeah. I mean, there's very, un- it was very unclear in the moment, but of course he's, yeah, he's hostile. But he's, so that's this is where you really see arcane used for yeah. the first time a lot. He like shoots these tentacles at you. He'll like summon these stars that come and like shoot at you. And arcane sucks when you use it sucks in the term. It does so much damage to you when they use it. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little, Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Mikalash is an awesome boss Mikalash. fight, but I am traumatized in that boss fight because of his stupid clap thing and then oh, all those yeah. little stars come out. And later in the game, especially when you, with a lot of the Souls games, after you beat them, you can go through what's called New Game Plus, right? And you can basically play the whole game again. Enemies are harder. They kind of are leveled with your leveled character already. Yeah. So you're not overly like just you know mopping the floor. Yeah, so a new game plus, this little spell that this guy does just can immediately kill you. Yeah, definitely. And there, I've seen gameplay videos of people just like very casually dodging it, and I've never understood how to do that. It's one of those things, it, 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 over, it makes you overthink. Because yeah. if you dodge it once in the right direction, which is towards him, you can dodge it. Yeah. But, you know, usually you're like, okay, sideways or backwards, if you back up, that's when you get screwed, because the ones that come in from behind. Yeah. We'll get you. It's all. It's all the timing. It's all in the, it's timing. All the timing. But I have to say, where was I going with? It was Rom. Rom. So real, real quick, Rom. You defeat that guy. You go through this door, and there's this guy in this rocking chair. You talk to him, and he just like points. Evil eyes. He's that guy. Yeah, he points. Yeah, towards his drop off, and you're like, um, okay. And so you drop off, and you fall for like six seconds, and then. You get like this white pool. You don't see anything for a second. And then you start running and then Rom spawns in. And he's just like this weird, almost cocoon-like spider mm-hmm. you have to fight. Yeah. And, you know, he uses arcane magic. This weird, again, Lovecraftian cosmic kind of horror stuff. Mm-hmm. And summons these little spiders to fight you. And anyways, Rom, not a great boss fight. No. But like a super atmospheric and world-building boss the fight. The thematic of the boss fight is Rom. Yeah, because Rom, the, his whole lore is that he was somebody who ascended to become one of the old ones, ascended to become one of those old gods. But the problem is, is that as a human, we don't have insight for that kind of stuff. And so he's, you know, he's the dumb god. He's the idiot god because he's Aww. just blind because he can't. He ascended to the state but can't really do anything. So he just acts as this seal. And yeah, it's once you break and kill him that like the true kind of chaotic chaos of this these old eldritch gods can kind of emerge. I have to say, I think for me, especially in just the core game, a lot of good boss fights in there. But I mean, German at the end. German. The first hunter. Pretty freaking good, man. It's really good. I mean, you know, the guy that you are kind of suspicious of the whole time, who's been kind of like a mentor, you know, he's like, all right, you've, you've done what you needed to do. You defeated the wet nurse. Now go ahead and I will, you know, kick you out of the dream and you can wake up and see the morning rise. And you're like, okay. And so in like the, I guess the easiest ending of the game, you know, German basically executes you and your guy wakes up out of the hunter's dream and you see it in the morning dawning over Yarnum for the first time. And you're like, okay, cool. But then, of course, you know, you're like, well, what happens if I say no? Well, you know, he decides to fight you and he stands from his 
rocking chair and his trick weapon is this awesome scythe that he can <laughs> he can unwind and it is an is an awesome boss fight i have it i think saved on my ps4 one of the times i beat him just really cool i mean all of the boss fights in bloodborne really take advantage of that but having a boss fight especially at the end where it's a character who's using the same stuff that you're using he can get you in a critical if he hits you with his gun at the right time you can get him in a critical i mean yeah, that's just a great boss fight and then that's where bloodborne gets kind of weird because after so after you kill him you're like okay cool i did it i mm-hmm. beat the game this horrifying creature comes down from the moon and it's just simply if you don't have the right items it just goes inside of you and you're like what and then the next thing you see is that hey guess what you're sitting in the wheelchair and the doll sitting next to you and hey now you're the mentor to these like the cycle like repeats itself yeah so what you don't realize is that you can collect these items throughout the game and i won't go into too much detail but you can resist this moon presence as it tries to get you and by able to resist this moon presence and when you kill it you're able to ascend and become a old god and it's this weird ending where very shallow classes ending where the doll who's been you know kind of your aid and helping you level up the whole time picks up this little slug and she's like oh hey it's you look you're a newborn young god or an old god you know you're like okay cool i've ascended but i have ascended to this weird slug thing you know what i mean but that's all wrapped it within this weird mythology of like wanting to ascend needing more eyes needing more insight yeah it's kind of funny the more like insight you get the more eyes things have yeah but i will say my favorite bosses are locked behind the DLC. So, Jack, with how much time do we got here? We're at an hour and one minute. Oh my gosh! Well, I let's know. let's talk about the DLC real quick, and then we can wrap it up. I just want to say, yeah. First boss you fight, Ludwig. Oh, and <laughs> this boss is so freaking cool. Yeah. Do not fight him on New Game Plus. No, no, because it'll ruin it. I he like one taps me. Yeah. No matter. Well, there's a video where Charlie was helping me. Felix was helping me. And we tried to beat him for like three hours. And we just could not beat him. He's tough. And he's really tough. Some people are like, oh, you do No, he's tough, man. He's... The scaling for New Game Plus for the DLC is yeah. kind of... Kind I think of, if I didn't do it in DLC... Because I played game. through like on regular, regular New Game and it's fine. It's not, I, think I mean, it's hard, fine. but it's not like... Yeah, exactly. It's not like a cement truck hitting you every single time he oh smacks you. Oh my gosh, you. yeah. So... But, man, the DLC is something else and oh. really plays, like, it, it kind of solidifies Bloodborne as its own entity and not just kind of being like, oh, this is a Lovecraftian gothic. Like, it's like, no, Bloodborne is like its whole own it's thing. It's its own thing. Yeah. And, like, obviously it has so much inspiration from stuff. But, man, like, it's just, it's such a unique, like, experience. Yeah. Yeah, Ludwig himself is an awesome boss fight where he's just this deranged, you know, he's regarded as the first hunter, this mythical kind of feature who started the healing church. And he's the one who beat Bastet, but succumbed himself to the becoming a beast. And so the first time, you know, the first half of the fight, he's just as with all bloodborne monsters screaming and thrashing at you, talking to you. But then halfway through, he kind of like something like knocks in his head and he kind of becomes Ludwig who he was before and draws the holy moonlight sword from his back and he's like oh you've been there all along and he puts the blade in front of his face and he looks like weirdly human even though he has this bizarre horse face and it's just really free you kind of see like these flashes of like former glory and you're like oh no (laughs) seriously like amazing 
boss design in oh, this yeah. game. I, I do real quick jumping back from a DLC. Oh no, that's fine. Yeah, um, jump around. We kind of skipped over the whole um, vile blood section of the game. Kanehurst Castle. While Kanehurst Castle, <laughs> awesome. talk about in a like it's such a cool place. Kanehurst is where you get the like the. Uh, so I forget what armor it is, but you get like actual armor, the mm-hmm. Kanehurst guard armor, I think, or whatever it's called. Super cool looking armor. It's what I wore all the time. It's awesome. Really liked it. Three, you get uh, Evelyn, that like the really good uh, pistol. Yep. And it's also where you fight this like old king. master, what Ligarius or something. Yeah. yeah. He's like almost like just feels very much like a Dark Souls boss, actually. Yeah. He's kind of almost like a puppet. He's like a scythe. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And you beat him, and you is that where you get the crown after you after you beat him? I think so. I think it's you who told me to put on the crown. Yeah. You put on the crown, and then, like, you go near his throne, and then the fog swirls and dissipates, and then there you see the castle. So you weren't ever in Kaner's castle the whole time. Pretty cool. You were, like, just, like, on, like, the ramparts, you know? Yeah. We've gone through this whole, like, library, and, the, you know, like, you've done all of this stuff. And you go in there, and there's, like, the queen of the, of the, the vile queen bloods. of the vile bloods, yeah. And so there's a bunch of like questions you can do mm-hmm. with her or with other people that are against her. Like yeah. there's a lot of really interesting, gruesome stuff you can do oh, with yeah. all yeah. of that. Um, I love the fact that you have to have the invitation to Kanehurst. And so you're going through this area. You're like, well, pick up an invitation. Okay, you're walking along. And then cutscene, this carriage pulls up. And you're like, um. Yeah, it takes you to this weird what isolated is this? spot. Yeah. And you get out of the carriage and the horse is dead on the other side. And you're like, what? And the, like, the bridges, the bridge isn't even there. Yeah, and that has a classic Bloodborne. You open up the gate, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or oh. inside Dark Souls, yeah, push open the the gate and everything. Yeah. There's so much to this game that really solidifies it as being one of my favorite games. Yeah, I mean, honestly, one of my favorite games of all time. And I mean, I think the you know there are is a DLC that has my favorite bosses. I think German is up there of course. The early game bosses I think are really I'm very fond of because they teach you so much about the game and it's very satisfying going back and just mopping the floor with them because you know how to play now. Which is very much what I would encourage for anybody out there who's ever tried Dark Souls and you you really want to get into it but it just the games are hard, man. Don't let anybody tell you that they're not hard. The games get easier and the Souls community are easier to them because they know how to play them, right? Me playing Elden Ring for the first time is way different than our cousin Michael playing Elden Ring for the first time. That's so strange. He's, that- he's had history with Souls, but I've been current. You know, I played Sekiro, Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne. Well, you even have Jack Henry, who yeah. this is his first Souls game. Yeah, And so, you know, I and think. so they're going to have wildly different expectations where I, you know, I know a little bit more. But I've even told Jack, there seems to be some traps in Elden Ring for players who seem to know what's going on a little bit to where like, you're like, oh, I know how to avoid this tackle. Roll forward. (laughs) I got you. And then enemies will step back. (laughs) You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of online discourse about who's the hardest boss in Elden Ring. I'm I'm trying to avoid all of it. So I just usually skip past it and stuff. But but really, like the enemy design in the game does punish like, it somehow punishes both new and old players. Yeah. So like, Well, you'll just find different things difficult. And so what yeah. I would always say, getting back to my original point, is that especially if you... I think the best thing to do to get into a Souls game if you're really struggling is to have somebody who's played one there before. Somebody who's 
nice and chill and who won't spoil things for you or be like, oh no, level up strength, level up strength. You're an idiot. Meta build, meta build, meta build. No, yeah. you need somebody who just says, hey, let me, let me push you. Because sometimes that's all it takes, right? These games are very hard, but it is about once you hit that click moment, you're like, oh, you start seeing how it works and the mechanics really start to, that's when those games get fun. Core things, weapon scaling, Yep. upgrading your weapon. Those are two things that you have to make sure you're doing or else you're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. A bad time. Also, endurance. Incredibly important because you have some more stamina. Yep. Vigor, health, it's good, but If you're a new player, I I would put points in health. I would do, I would, it's not as important as I, like, (laughs) you don't have to, like, be amazing at the game to, like. No, no. To beat the game, you do not have to be Health shouldn't be your main focus. Honestly, I don't think magic should be your main focus no. either. No. When you're first playing the game, especially health, in Bloodborne, stamina, yeah. dexterity, strength, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Just yeah. like get the basics out of the way, understand the basics of the game, and then kind of delve into yeah. more the and more then, you learn. Two, make sure you read stuff. Pull up your description of your weapon. Look at all those stats. Like, see exactly what is giving you damage, see what you need. And, you know, that helps a lot as well. Like, understanding, like, oh, if I put more points into strength, this weapon will actually get stronger because it is scaling based off my strength. It has like a B ra- uh, right. ranking. Based on, you could be using like the whip and you're like, oh man, I'll put strength so I want to be stronger. But the whip won't get stronger with strength. It'll get stronger with dexterity. And so it's a back and forth. But Vice versa. To end up, Jack, I'm going to talk about my two favorite bosses. Yes, and it, talk it, about your favorite I think bosses. you already know. Living failures, get out of here. They're, they're fine, whatever. I think cool. What about the boss that's behind that broken glass? After you fight those weird aliens. What's her name? God, you totally... Oh, Maria? Is that the weird tentacle monster? No, Abritus. Yeah, Abritus. I do like Abritus. Abritus is just an awesome... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll save that for anybody who hasn't played. Yeah. But, because I'm spoiling everything else. But, Maria, the astral clock tower. My God. Phenomenal. What an awesome boss fight. I mean, it's this person who looks almost like the doll who's been helping you and leveling you. And, you know, she's like slumped over almost dead in this chair and your character like reaches out and she's like, hey, you shouldn't touch me. And she's like using these. There's a fight constantly go on. She uses these big like blood slash attacks, which then later get powered up with fire and blood. And it is just it's in like the back. It's like right behind like the face of this crazy clock tower. And it is just oh, it is a beautiful boss fight. I mean. And then getting in that and then going into the fishing hamlet afterwards and that weird like change of pace where you go out of the face of the clock and then you're in this quaint Lovecraftian fishing hamlet where, you know, costs washed up. And then, of course, the orphan of costs is, I think. Of course, I struggled a lot because it was on New Game Plus. So, like, he was a pain. But, man, so what a creepy. Awesome what a cool boss. boss. He crawls out of the corpse of this old one who's been washed up on the beach. This just super tall, horrific looking. Slenderman-esque almost. Yeah, who's like swinging around like this fleshy blade. And it's right next to the coast. And you have this weird fractured sun in the background. All these ships that are destroyed on the horizon. And it is just 
Oh, it is just cool, man. It's it's hard to find a game that does it like Bloodborne. Yeah. You know, Dark Souls definitely has its own world. Oh, and it does. I mean, in views, but bl- there's something about Bloodborne that is so enticing. I mean, you talk about Dark Souls. I felt very similar. Like when you see the kiln of the first flame for the first time, and you're like, what? And you see Gwen for the f- oh, Gwen for the first time. You walk through that fog, and the music and the is piece so is like, different, dude. And you're like, yeah. You're like, what is this? Oh, and he's just yeah. And then I saw you could parry him, and I'm like, I'm never going to parry him because it just seems too easy. Yeah, I've, 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 I, got, I got a thing with being able to parry Gwen. Like, I understand it, but I'm also like, no, you shouldn't be able to parry this guy. Like, it seems kind of stupid to me, but, but whatever. Jack, that whatever. is, I think, God, we went for an hour there, but I feel like we, we could do several more about Bloodborne. We could I go mean, into more detail. detail. But yeah. I feel like this has been a very good overview about what we enjoyed out of the game what we got out of the game of course when you play it you might get totally different things you might say like man you know this part wasn't good i really like this part so on so forth but we didn't even get into the chalice dungeons chalice dungeons i they're fun yeah if they are fun if you have every if you have what you need to go through the dungeons all at once it's fun it's kind of annoying to have to grind for the items. I will say that is a really cool thing about Bloodborne. I think extended in its life past to this day to where with the chalice dungeons and since they are randomly generated, you have like these online groups that have formed that are like tomb raiders and they'll go through these ca- ch- chalice dungeons countless of times just seeing them. And they found like hidden bosses and uncut things and these weird things that like nobody else has found by just going through these chalice dungeons over and over or trying different I'm gonna codes. To, I'm gonna have to look into that. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's like really cool like the dedication of these players that just because like I will say about the chalice dungeons since they are procedurally generated you do start they to feel be like samey. you start to be like oh, it's the same hall it's the same trap it's the same enemy this is the same you know and they are fun but I think they're more fun as a concept than they are in the actual execution because the the care that I think from software puts into crafting each space and each world is kind of missing from those. So that's, that's what I would say about the chalice dungeon and why I kind of left them out. Mm-hmm. But Jack, that is a, uh, I think all I have for bloodborne right now. Do you have anything else before we wrap up here? You know what? Try to think we good. All right. I think we covered a lot of stuff about bloodborne. And if you're not interested and we didn't do our job oh and God, I um, the music for that trailer, there's something about the way the 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 bow slides on the strings in that song that's really haunting you hear it dragging across yeah yeah (laughs) guys i just want to say thank you so much to listening thank you so much for listening to the rack and tour collection a podcast about everything and nothing all at the same time all at once all together you have the time to listen to me whine (laughs) anyways (laughs) Pretty much our podcast. Guys, if you liked what you heard, we have a whole catalog of stuff you can listen to, including short stories done by the beloved co-host Charlie. Mm. And also a few write-ins actually are spar- sprinkled in there as well. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. If you support us over on Patreon, two bucks, a buck, five bucks, you get access to our Discord where right now it's full of Elden Ring banter. But it also is. just chatter about the episodes, feedback, suggestions, all that kind of cool stuff. Uh, soon we're adding a page that will include suggestions that you know we have the trying to have for music for video games for whatever you know all that kind of stuff so i just want to say for me try can do his closing thoughts but 
Guys, thank you for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions for topics, please let us know. Just send us a message. Well, we shall respond pretty quickly. I'm usually on my phone all the time. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I want to say thank you, guys. And, Charlie, anything else? I mean, I've loved doing this episode. It's one of those ones where I'm like, how have we not done a Bloodborne episode before, right? There's there's a lot of but, I mean, have we done Dark Souls itself? I don't think so. Maybe we have. But um, that's something I'd like to do more in the future. I'd like to do... If we haven't done Dark Souls, I like to do Dark Souls 2, 3. I'd really love to do Sekiro. But the only thing is Jack does need to finish Sekiro before so we talk about it. I, I, I like the idea. I like doing our video game episodes. But, you know, our, our mom, she doesn't really like video games. Or she doesn't really get them. But I would encourage... What are video games? Huh? Maybe that should be our next topic. What are... What are video games? Video games. What is... No, it's funny. She was actually... Games. She was telling me she was listening to the childhood episode. And she was yeah. like, I don't remember some of these cartoons. And I was like, yeah, you probably like kind of blocked them out because it sounded just kind of like noise to you. Yeah. You know, those, episodes, you know what those, I mean? those are the cartoons we, we where she was Dark just Souls. like, turn it down. Yeah. Yeah. We did do Dark Souls, by the way. Nice. I was like, I thought we did. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts is one we haven't done. Which <laughs> That's a big one. I want to get one of our younger brothers, George, loves Kingdom Hearts. He says he's not as into I'm like, George, you were into Kingdom Hearts. If he wants to do it with me, I would love to sit down with him and do it because I Kingdom Hearts is very close to my spirit. Disappointed with Kingdom Hearts 3. Thought it was a great game, but disappointed in it. Um, Very inspirational, I think, to your your story and stuff. Very inspirational in a weird way. You know? Yeah. Inspirational based on like very much and why I think the From Software games vibe so much with me is they really are so good about creating like moods and feelings and, and showing you these like yeah. scenic vistas that are the potential and in horrifying these, the potential in these worlds that they're like, creating yeah or they they help you create in your own mind right and so kingdom hearts is kind of that same way where it was those secret movies man i saw those secret movies and it was those that i was like that what was is my, going on and that was i just my awakening filled in the blanks in my head yeah. and i was like hey these filled in blanks would make a good story and then bish bam boom here we are <laughs> No, I, so, I mean, you know, I'll go ahead and, so, we can record a bit extra. Oh, just need extra banter? Yeah. The, uh, should I put on a Patreon or should Extra I? banter! Extra banter! I can make its own music for extra it. Extra banter episode! Blip. Yeah, I can, sorry, I can do something like very, that. I feel like this is very Game Grumps House channeling right there. The, the, so, anyway, anyways, this is the extra. Yeah. Guys, thank you for listening to the Rackinger Collection. Love you. Appreciate you. As always, music. Slay those beasts.